I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hoodly, hoodly, hoo. Hello. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's episode, I got to chat with Mr. Brett McKay from The Art of Manliness, reinstilling these fine qualities that we may or may not have been losing over the years. Things like honesty, things like strength, mental and physical fortitude, things like keeping your overall shizzle together have been lost and replaced for how much money you got. And uh, what kind of clothes are you wearing? What kind of car are you driving? All these superficial nonsense details that uh, a lot of folks, not at the fault of their own, are being confused by advertisements and what our perception of what it means to be a man. I think that we can do a little retooling with that, and that's what we do in today's conversation. Talk about testosterone, talk about history, talk about uh, habits, how to break them, how to change them, how to form your day to be the most effective it possibly can be. Revive this uh, very classical, by classical I mean ancient Greek, ancient Roman idea of masculinity. So if you asked an ancient Roman uh, what manliness meant, and you know up until about the early 19th or early 20th century you asked a man or a woman what manliness meant they would say something like well it means being a man of character virtue having strength having honor having resolve and uh, temperance and frugality and being industrious really really fun conversation thank you so much Brett for coming on um, I really do think it is very interesting this point in history that we happen to be streaming through here where we are able to create a separation between our actual selves and the avatar that we call us on Twitter and Facebook and all of these random digital mediums. Very, very fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out in the next 30 years or so. And uh, I'm hoping, hoping for the best. Interesting little tidbit of history back in the Spartan days. They, uh, when a woman would have a, bring a new child into the, into the tribe, into the Spartans, they would take the child to the magistrate and deem whether the child was strong enough to be a part of the team. And if it wasn't, well, the news wasn't so good. But I think that's quite interesting that uh, just how much they valued strength, how much they valued all of these qualities that make a human be a viable and important part of the culture. Beautiful quote that I quite enjoy is be strong to be useful. And I think that we can bring that into every aspect of our lives. If you are walking around the world and your instrument, tool that is your body and your mind is dull, is rusty, is falling apart at the seams, 
It would be in your favor and the society's favor, as opposed to being a drain on the society and just waiting for other people to repeatedly fix you. It would be in all of our favor if we would all start really looking inside and sharpening our own tool so that we can give back to both society and ourselves. Come on now, people. Check out the website, linetherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find a self-care kit, two different sides, mouth fast release balls, a uh, heavy-duty band, door anchor, all come inside of a 13-inch foam roller, screw-on lids, so that you can put anything you want in that thing. It will stay safe, stay airtight. It doesn't actually, it's not actually airtight. Uh, it also comes with an ebook video guide. Check it out. Um, Anything else? Uh, subscribe, share, leave comments on iTunes. Really seriously helpful. I joke about it, but it's uh, actually helpful. Please only if you genuinely are feeling it. Five stars, more and more. Um, there we go. I think that might be my listo para empezarlo. Vamos, venga. Here we go. Mr. Brett McKizzle. Align Podcast. You're actually one of the first podcasts that I had uh, checked out when I first got into podcasting, which changed my life, by the way. Like, understanding what a podcast is was like one of the most beneficial things I've ever done. So thank you for that. Um, and, you know, so your podcast, your, your business, your website is, is called The Art of Manliness. And I find that I think it's interesting in our society that we don't really, you know, we get taught arithmetic and we get taught how to read and we get taught, you know, how to drive our car you know, but we don't really have any re- really good resources, unless your dad was fantastic, hopefully he was, on how to just be a, a man, you know? It's- yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's funny that some of the most important things in life, like we don't teach teach it anymore. Like we're not proactively teaching it. Right. Uh, so things like relationships. Right. Right. Like no, no one never, you never take a class on relationships. Totally. Money. Uh, stuff like that, and then just the aspects of what you know uh, the, the challenges that face men that are unique to men. Right. No one ever sits down and talks to you about them. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to fill a void that's out there with the site. Yeah. So you know, I always say like you'll never meet a psychologist that's not kind of crazy or a physical therapist that's not dealt with like some weird body stuff. Like, what's your background with manliness? <laughs> do you have like no, no, there's no issues. Like really, um, I wasn't my plan to be like, this wasn't the plan, like doing this for a living. I, I started the site when I was in law school yeah. and, uh, I basically started it because I was bored. I wanted something to do while I was, um, taking a break from contract law. Right. And, um, what happened was I was in a Borders one night, a bookstore, looking at magazines. And I'd subscribed to Men's Health, some of the other men's magazines. And I just realized while I was looking at the headlines at all these men's magazines that every month it's the exact same thing with this stuff. It's right. always articles on how to get six-pack abs, right. uh, a lifestyle that most average men can't afford, right? You have to like buy – you know, I've seen like $4,000 polo shirts like pitched in these magazines. Like right. no way. Like that's – no. my computer doesn't cost $4,000. I'm not going to buy a shirt – so, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start the men's magazine I always wanted to read. Awesome. Uh, and so that's what I did. I just started, I bought a domain name. Art of, I thought Art of Manliness sounded cool. And uh, started blogging. It was basically for my friends, just something fun to do. And I didn't think it was going to be anything big, but it just took off. Because what I found out 
is that there were a lot of other men who felt the same way as I did. They were tired of sort of, of the uh, superficial content that was being put out there for men, and they're looking for something a little more substance. And, um, and that uh, appealed to them that, that they could connect with because most men can't afford a $4,000 polo shirt. Right. Um, and so that's what, that's what happened. Uh, after I launched in 2008, it took off. And by the time I graduated from law school, I was earning enough revenue from the website that I didn't have to take the bar exam. And I didn't, and so I'm not. A, I graduated law school, but I'm not a licensed attorney, um, and that's what I've been doing ever with the for my career, art of manliness. Rad man, congratulations! I um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think I, I I think I've heard this with like Alan Watts talking about, which I talk about Alan Watts a lot because I think he's amazing. Everyone should listen to Alan Watts immediately, you know. But one of the things I think I heard him mention one time was, you know. When we look at an ad, we see somebody like driving the Corvette, it's a Corvette commercial or whatever commercial, and we look at the ad and they're not just selling the car, you know, they're selling the whole, they're selling the girl, they're selling the watch he's wearing, they're selling the lifestyle, he rolls up to the mansion with the Labrador and the whole thing, you know, so when, I think it's interesting in our, in our reality that we're exposed to all this stuff. You know, we think we don't realize it, but subconsciously, I think all these advertisements are actually making a high percentage of people feel very, very inadequate. You know, and it's, it's, I think it's a really, it's a, it's a mind freak. Yeah. Yeah. It. I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely agreeing with that. Um, we, most of the men's magazines tend to be aspirational right? and there's a reason for that because luxury brands are the ones that have the money to spend on advertising. Um, and so they're, they're they had I mean they're the ones who have to spend a lot of money to convince people to fork over you know ten thousand dollars for a watch. You know most people are going to buy a pair of jeans no matter what, right? Because they just need it. Right. Um, so yeah, the men's magazines because the luxury brands are the ones who have the money for advertising. They tend to promote a very aspirational um, uh, lifestyle. Now what we try to do in the art of manliness is. Be aspirational, be, be, but be aspirational not towards material items or goods, but towards a, a life well lived. Nice. Uh, so that's a lot of the content. So one of the, the things on the art of manliness that we do is we're trying to revive this uh, very classical, by classical I mean ancient Greek, ancient Roman idea of masculinity. Nice. So if you asked an ancient Roman uh, what manliness meant, and even up until about the early 19th, or early 20th century, you asked a man or a woman what manliness meant, they would say something like, well, it means being a man of character, virtue, having strength, having honor, having resolve, and uh, temperance and frugality and being industrious. Mm. Today, you ask people that question, they're going to say things like very cartoonish answers like, well, it means like, you know, drinking beer and being, you know, jacked and driving a big giant truck and whatever. Um, so I'm trying to bring back that very classical idea of masculinity because I think it's uh, it's more fulfilling yeah. and it uh, produces, you know, it just helps you live a wife, a well-lived life and it's good, I think, for society as a whole. Right. Yeah, so I do movement coaching and body work and, you know, help people's bodies feel better, fit better. You know, one of the things that I see with this modern culture you know, is I think that we're fitting ourselves into some kind of, of model or mold, 
it's not necessarily true to the optimal expression of our movement, you know? So it's same thing like you're saying, like, you know, we see the abs in the commercial or the muscle, muscle and fitness magazine or whatever, and then we reverse engineer our bodies and then we strap on those abs, strap on those biceps and those quads and those calves or whatever, but there's no functionality with it. There's no real depth to that movement, you know? Yeah, I mean, that you bring up an interesting point. So a lot of, you're talking about um, body image for men. Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of times we think it's an issue for women, but it's increasingly becoming an issue for young men in particular. Right. And so, yeah, the idea, there's a book that was published a few years ago called The Adonis Complex. And it was about how, about masculine body image and masculine or male body dysmorphia, where men have this, because of you know advertising, the men's ma- men's health magazines, et cetera, et cetera, that if you want to be a man, you have to have six pack abs. You have to have, right. you know, just be, you know, only have 5% body fat, you know, jack ripped to the bone. But like the interesting thing is that it's a lot of, it's just aesthetics, right? Right. A lot of that stuff's very aesthetic. So to get to that point, uh, you have to lose a lot of body fat. Right. Um, at the same time you're losing body fat, you're losing muscle mass, uh, unless you're taking steroids. Right. Um, and so you lose functionality, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, one of the things we, tr- we we promote, we do a lot of fitness and strength articles on the site, but it's all about functions, like being strong so you can be useful, right? Yeah. right? It's not just to look pretty. Right. Um, that's that's dumb. That's it's it's masturbatory in a way. Well, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm, we're all about function over form over the art of manliness. Yeah, I love that. Be be strong to be useful. And I heard that, I might have heard that on your podcast. I don't know where I heard that, but you know, it's I think that's such a crucially important thing. And another thing as well, it's like recognizing for people. You know, we do all these little like tricks or hacks or whatever in order to you know do like the best body language and like keep your hands up at your chest and open palms and expose your organs and you know long neck. You know, it's all this stuff that we we tell people like this is what people respond well to. That's true. You know, but the reason that people respond well to that is because it's a naturally strong, stable, empowered body. You know, but we're, we're again, we're trying to put these attributes on top of a system that's sitting in front of a computer all day or sitting in a car all day or sitting in a bus all day, you know, and then saying, okay, now stand up straight and strong. You know, so I think it's, I think it's really important that we literally embody everything that we're preaching about. You know, it's, it's so much easier to just throw it on for a second, but you know, getting into how do you move across a room? How do you sit down in a seat? You know, how do you hold your wife or your girlfriend or your baby? You know, how do you chop your carrots? Is that something that you ever think about in your own movement practice at all, Brett? Uh, you know, I don't really think too much about my movement to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the best person to ask for that. Yeah, yeah no worries. Do you, what do you do any kind of like working out or anything like that? Yeah, uh, barbell training. Nice. So, uh, squat, press, bench press, deadlift, power clean. Cool, sweet. So that's sweet. You know, like just doing those those basic movements, like picking a bar up off the ground at deadlift. I think is one of the most crucial things that a person can, is able to do. You know, because it's picking a rock up off the ground. You know, yeah, like changing exactly. the, changing the name to just pick stuff up instead of deadlift. <laughs> yeah, this is actually uh, some nice bit of history to that. So. Um, 
Bert Soren, Bert Sorenex, he owns, uh, or Bert Soren, he's owner of the com- uh, strength company Sorenex. They make weightlifting equipment. Right. I had him on the podcast a while back ago, and he told me this little interesting tidbit of history is that uh, back in the old South, right, talking about 19th century in the southern states, yeah. there was uh, a lift called the helper lift. And basically what it was, they would dec- people on farms would create this just like 500-pound weight that you could lift um, with some handles and they just do that one or two times a day as they pass by it nice. and they called it the helper lift because it helped you be a better helper nice. around the farm Radical. uh it said yeah because like the deadlift is such a functional lift because you do that movement all the time right all the time daily yeah. life yeah that's it did you i saw did you do the the testosterone 90 day experiment was that was that was yours yeah. right yeah yeah i did a, a 90 day experiment to try to increase my testosterone naturally how'd that work out for you it worked out great. I ended up doubling my testosterone levels, uh, both total and free testosterone. Um, yeah, testosterone's comp- complicated. I'm actually working on uh, like, like turning that series I did into a, a book and expanding on it. Yeah. But te- testosterone is complicated. It's complex. A lot of people. It's promoted, put out there, sort of this panacea that if you increase your testosterone, then like everything about your life will uh, improve dramatically. Right. And yeah, in a lot of cases, yes, it can. If you have extremely low testosterone, you are going to notice a difference in your life. If you have average testosterone, you increase your testosterone, you're not going to notice that much of a difference. Um, So yeah, I mean, basically what it was, what I did was just live a good life. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) hormones respond to healthy lifestyle. There's no trick to it. So exercise... Uh, so lift heavy things, do high intensity cardio that helps elevate testosterone levels. Getting enough sleep is crucial for uh, hormone balance because, like, that's when uh, your body produces all the testosterone. Most of the testosterone is going to use throughout the day is during your sleep. Right. So if you're getting less than seven or six hours of sleep, you're going to have you're going to have lower testosterone levels. Uh, not being stressed out, so managing stress is essential because. Right. Um, as cortisol levels increase, testosterone levels decrease. So managing cortisol becomes really important. And then uh, just diet is important. So getting lots of healthy fats, uh, getting protein, uh, staying lean as possible will help elevate your testosterone levels. Yeah, and I don't think people, a lot of people realize that the the crucialness of Eating lots of fat, you know, getting cholesterol in. Cholesterol is a precursor to testosterone in your system. You know, yeah, I, that's I, right. I think that that's it's interesting that we've gone through this kind of. It's it's just it's a shame that fat is called fat. You know, instead it could sure. be you could have so many better names, but instead we immediately link that to oh, that's you know the the chub on my belly. You know, yeah. People uh, it was interesting. That. Was it wasn't until the 1950s that there was this connection made between cholesterol and fat and heart disease. And that's what kicked it off. So this right. one scientist made this connection. But even at the time, lots of researchers says, no, that's, this is bunk, but through you know, sci- a lot of science is politics. So he was able to convince the government to encourage Americans to ha- uh, have a low-fat diet, high-carbohydrate uh, diet. Right. Well, what's funny is that what really causes heart disease is not cholesterol, it's not high fat, not even high saturated fat. Everyone's always freaked out about saturated fat. It's basically sugar, stress, 
uh, inflammation is what causes heart disease. And what's what's ironic is that this diet that we they've the government has promoted for the past, up until just fairly recently, they're starting to backtrack. That's probably what caused this skyrocketing in obesity, heart disease, all this stuff. Because people were eating, you know, in order to have low fat foods, they had to increase the amount of sugar. Like you guys remember, you remember snack wells? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember that? Like everything was low fat, but if you looked at the, the nutrients, like it was like just loaded with sugar, and that stuff is what just makes you fat and gives you heart disease. And so what's funny is that the government's finally backtracked and, and saying, no, you know, like they're, they're finally saying like dietary cholesterol doesn't matter. You can consume as much cholesterol as you want and it won't affect your health. Right. The thing about cholesterol is interesting is that your body uh, regulates it. So your body actually produces a lot of cholesterol on its own in the liver. Um, if you increase the amount of dietary cholesterol you have, you have um, your body decreases the amount of that it, of cholesterol that it produces. Right. So it sort of keeps things in balance. So it doesn't matter if you eat a crap ton of eggs, your cholesterol levels are probably going to stay about the same right. because of the way the body regulates itself. Right. And then fat, it's just, I mean, it's, yeah, there's no connection to uh, heart disease or making, in fact, eating a high fat diet can help you lose fat, right. which is a lot. Of, it's really hard for people to comprehend that and how that works, but that's that's how that's how nature works. Yeah, and I experimented with. I did my own kind of. Ex- I constantly on some kind of experiment of sorts. And what I was really focused on was one of the things was increasing testosterone, um, but also just playing with eating a crap ton of fat and to uh, see what happens. So I was eating a ton of butter, a ton of cream, a ton of dairy, you know, a ton of broth, and just all this stuff. And what I found when I got my blood work back was that. My HDL cholesterol was was up, and my LDL was actually down. You know, and so that's, yeah. it's not it's it's a misnomer to say good and bad cholesterol. They work as a team, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, but nonetheless, the levels got got more positive in my favor as a product of eating all this stuff that we thought would kill us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's I think it's if, if just ignore. A lot of times you have to ignore popular science, right? And uh, stick to stick and, to what and, works. And then when speaking with popular science. You know, popular science oftentimes goes in the way of what's for sale, you know, what's hot, you know, and so things like creams that we're putting on our bodies and deodorants that we're putting on our bodies and, you know, drinking water out of plastic bottles and like all this different stuff, you know, like leads to, it's called aromatization where it's actually breaking down, converting your potential testosterone into estrogen, you know, so estrogen is super important. Testosterone also super important. The only thing is we're starting to become askew, you know, and I think in the last Something like this is this could be wrong. But I think it's something like last like twenty years, testosterone levels have dropped by twenty percent. That might be completely mm-hmm. wrong, but they've dropped a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. The whole with popular science, and it's not just health science um, that's affected by the the money incentive, uh, but it's also social sciences. Uh, we do a lot of post about sort of uh, about psychology and how you can improve your well mental well-being and, and, and improve your learning and things like that and what you often find with a lot of these uh, these psychologists who are putting out these like fantastic like wow if you if you do this like you can learn a language in two months right there there's an incentive out there amongst the social science sciences to create research right. that can help them get like a book yeah. or help them get a TED talk or help them get uh, you know become this sort of celebrity psychologist, and it's really sad because there's a lot of research that people like, the news just talked about ad infinitum. They're just like, oh, this is amazing. If you, um, I think it was like something with learning a language. I forgot what it was exactly, 
But it was out there in the news. Everyone was talking about, if you do this one thing, you can learn a language a lot faster. Well, come to find out, it's completely wrong. Like, right. it, there's, the, there's nothing that you can do to help yourself learn a language faster or something like that. Um, but the damage has been done, right? They basically, and they, they kind of found out that they were, the researchers that are doing this were incentivized by money to <laughs> come out with this finding. Right. Um, so yeah, you have to be really careful with uh, scientific research. It's really funny. It's funny how we, uh, us moderns, we make fun of religion, right? Like, oh, that's so goofy. Right. You guys believe in these things. You're so gullible, right. you religious people. But at the same time, we've replaced uh, um, religion with science. It's another religion. It's another religion. And yeah. you know, the, the, the priests, the new priests are the guys in the white lab coats guys who are giving TED Talks, yeah. and we just believe them. Right. And then you have the, meet, the news who won't actually get into the nitty-gritty of, of, um, of the research, and then just spout like this very sensational headline. Like, look, new research is out that says, right. you know, if you eat you know, this, if you drink coffee, then this will happen. Yeah. Um, but it's usually science, actual science is much more nuanced than that, um, and there's always caveats. Yeah. But people, normal people don't hear that. Right. And so that's what causes people to do dumb things. Uh, so, I mean, really, and it's funny, that when, the more you look into this sort of, this, the more you look into health and mental well-being, it's really like how to increase your testosterone, like what it comes down to is just like, just live a good life. Eat well, exercise, get sleep, don't be stressed out. Lots of sex. Lots of sex can help too. <laughs> Fact, you know, and so there's there is a uh, an article in the in the Lancet that was you know it's like a esteemed medical journal, and uh, what it had had mentioned was that around fifty percent of these like peer reviewed studies, you know, and all this this scientific fact that we we take as being religion is is wrong. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, again, it, it's dependent upon the observer. You know, observer changes the results. If you're looking for a result to come about, you can find it. Yeah, 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 you're exa exactly right. And that's not to say, like, science is, like, I'm not trying to, like, I'm not anti-science. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm pro-good science. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the thing with science, you just have to, there's never definitive answers because something can always be proven wrong. Right. So you, you don't, uh, you, you shouldn't be a, uh, you shouldn't be cynical about science, but just skeptical, right? And then if you have good information, like use that to the extent, but always try to find a better answer. That's what science is all about. Right. Unfortunately, people are looking for that one answer that will solve everything right then and there. And the thing is, it just it doesn't exist. Right. Uh, so stop looking for it. Yeah, I, there was, I, I'm spacing the guy's name right now, famous scientist. And one of his quotes was that science, good science is always, the intention is always to disprove itself. You know, so it's like as soon as you come up with a study, great. How do we disprove it? If you can't disprove it after fifty years, like you might be onto something. You, you might know, be onto something. <laughs> well, but there's always that chance that something can come along and disprove it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so as far as like actionable tips for men to become better men, one of the, the things I was checking out your your YouTube station last night, which I thought was awesome. I think it's YouTube.com/slash Art of Manliness. I assume. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. 
one of the things that I was I saw was um, habit breaking. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot, you know, is that we are all these habits based creatures. You know, and the, the my piece is movement. You know, the way that we move, it's it's a habitual thing. You know, every time you pick that box up and you torque your spine out and you potentially have a bulging disc, you're patterning that. You're chucking that into your system to work. You know, similar concept with anything. You know, whether it's looking at porn or eating food or, you know, whatever it is that you do. Did you have any habits? Was there any reason that you made that video? I mean, obviously, it's like a lot of people are dealing with that. But, but is there anything like... Is there a seed to that? No, not really. Not in my own personal life. Uh, I mean, there was like, I guess I had the typical, like I just was wasting time on the internet. Mm. Uh, I was like drink, diet, Mountain Dew all the time. Right. And I wanted to stop. Um, <laughs> but then I, I, you know, I did it for like a week and then I got back, something happened and I fell off the drain. But um, yeah, habits are, are really, there's a, the video, the video was based on a book by this guy named Charles Duhigg. He's a New York Times reporter. And he, what the research has found is that there is what's called a habit loop. And then by understanding the habit loop and hacking it, basically, altering a few things that you can break a bad habit or change a habit. Hmm. Um, the thing about habits you need to understand is that you can never, a bad habit never really goes away. It is always there permanently. Interesting. What you can do is override it, right, and replace it with a better habit, so that the the neural pathway of that good habit uh, soon overtakes the uh, the bad the neural pathway and the bad habit. Uh, so that habit loop consists of three parts: it's a cue, action, and reward. So a cue is something that that happens in the environment or it can be within yourself that gets those dopamine. Uh, neurotransmitters your brain saying you need to do something right. to get that reward that we're we've associated with this cue so cues could be like um what's a good like it's 12 o'clock right and that's what time i usually get my mountain dew <laughs> so that the cue is the action and then the reward is the it could be the reward could be a lot of things it, it might not just be the caffeine it could just be the the fizzy cool taste drink of the of the uh, the Mountain Dew you're liking it could just be the break that you get from drinking the Mountain Dew Um, so what you can do is you you don't change the cue you change the reward you don't change the I can't remember what it was you basically change the actions you change you change the routine you identify identify the cue and the reward yeah. Is the first step. I, I believe this is what it was. And then that's from, what it was. Yeah. And once you identify that, then you're kind of starting to have a little power over it. And then you, could, you I believe from there, you, you can work change, on change, change in the Mountain Dew to a glass of icy water or something. Glass like that. of water. All right. You watched the video recently. I haven't done that since. Yeah. I no, I, I didn't mean to put you in the spot. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, yeah, that's what you can do. And uh, it, it can work if you stick to it. I've actually recently, I'm, I'm on a, 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 an experiment right here where I've eliminated caffeine from my diet completely, right. going on a month. And uh, I actually didn't really do any habit loop stuff. I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. And I stopped. And that worked. We'll how's see it, how long it lasts. How's it, how's it been? It's been helpful? Yeah, it's been really helpful. Like, uh, uh, it was making me really, like, I consumed a crap load of caffeine. I was probably drinking way too much. Right. Uh, you know, I'd have the pre-workout, which has, like, 300 milligrams of caffeine, and then a five-hour energy later that day, and then, like, soda at night. Uh, it was it was intense. And so, one thing I noticed that I was I was really just grouchy and on edge huh. all the time. when I was, And I, when I got off of it, uh, stopped taking caffeine, I had a headache for a day. 
but then it went away and I just felt a lot more like even keeled. Like things just didn't set me over like they used to. The problem I had with caffeine is that, um, you know, I've, I've had my genetic, my genome sequenced and my body metabolizes caffeine quickly so I can consume a crap load of caffeine. And then 30 minutes later, I'll be back to normal. Um, and so I'd have to drink more to kind of keep the effect going. That's think what caused my gradual uptick of uh, consumption. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I could, I could, I could drink like a five-hour energy, like an hour before going to bed, and then still go to bed and like sleep like a baby. Right. Um, but I'm, I imagine all that caffeine was causing cortisol just to be constantly elevated in my body, and it was just probably wrecking havoc on my mood and um, T levels, possibly, and just a whole bunch of bad things. Sure. Yeah, you're like the opposite of a Chinese person with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's interesting with caffeine, you know, because I was actually talking with Rob Wolf about this. And it's so funny, man, because Rob's like, you know, he's like the quintessential paleo authority, you know, and he's got tons of people following him. And you know, I, I love Rob. I think everything he's doing is, is just great. And one of the things I like about what he does is that he's not dogmatic with this stuff at all. You know, he's talking about like, you know, chewing on a Nicorette to, to stimulate creativity and like drinking coffee and having a, you know, drink a cocktail and all that stuff. And I think that's the really important thing, you know, that's like we don't, we end up martyring ourselves for these perfect lifestyles. This perfect lifestyle that we're following, it could be BS. It could be one of those Lancet, you know, peer reviewed studies that's like, ah, oh, the, the facts are out, you know, but I think again, it's like follow what feels good to you. In your case, it's like, yeah, caffeine seems like maybe. Maybe you don't need it so much. Maybe I don't need it so much. But, yeah. I, you know, when I'm done with this, I'm, I'm going a month. I might go back to it uh, where I'll have some before my workout right. because, you know, that's – so research has shown that that could be good for you right. and help improve your workout. Right. But we'll see. But, I'm, yeah, again, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I think uh, dogma makes you stupid. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like a living life with a bucket on your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm a believer in always – getting new information and then incorporating that information back into your life. Yeah. With, with the art of manliness. So you guys just like, I encourage everybody to go check it out because it's just, it's so cool, you know, and, and one of the really great things about it, you know, as far as like modeling manliness, like what a good man should be, you know, like I think your business is a model of that, Brett. Like I think it, it really, it's, it, it, it's, how you do anything is how you do everything, you know? And so when you're, when you're looking at the, the quality of the videos that you put out, the quality of the podcast, the quality of the website, everything's integrated, you know, which is a term that I throw around a ton, you know? And it's like, I think it's just, it's such a cool thing to get to see that. And, you know, I've used a lot of your stuff actually as a model of my own. So thank you, father figure, well, Brett McKay. <laughs> thank, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm yeah. humbled, man. Yeah. You know, and then, but with that, have you gone through some, some, times with developing the business that have just sucked um not too bad actually um we haven't had we haven't had like i mean honestly when i started the site i didn't really do anything to promote it it just what happened was someone i think linked to it it got linked on dig.com that was when dig was really big and from there got on reddit and then reddit to delicious i mean it was like this cascade effect and after that it was just off to the horses Cool. Or after off after the races. <laughs> that works. Um, that works too. <laughs> off to the horses works. I like that. Um, so I haven't. I, I never really had a moment where uh, it was. I was like, oh man, no one's reading my blog. Right. And honestly, like when I first started, I didn't really care. Like I was just like, I'm, I was doing it for me. Right. So a lot. Of the, what happened to the art of man was sort of a happy accident. I've just capitalized on it. 
yeah. and uh, seeing where it goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, I mean, one thing there's a I think a, I think a lot of content creators are gonna a problem that they're all gonna face is that the way people are surfing the web is changing. Mm. Um, you have fewer people who are sitting at their desktop computer, their laptop, just surfing. If they're going to be surfing, they're probably on their phone. Um, so having a mobile responsive site is important. Right. But even then, a lot of indiv- a lot of particularly young people, they aren't surfing the web like we used to surf. The- what we think of surfing the web, they're using apps like Snapchat, Periscope, right. Twitter. Uh, Inst- so it's Instagram. becoming very. It's Instagram is a big one. So things are becoming very fragmented. And that's hard for content creators because you, you, in a lot of ways, you have to be everywhere at once. Right. And, uh, and that's hard. So, yeah, I mean, we've noticed that uh, that's been a challenge, particularly with younger, the younger demographic is reaching them because a lot of them, they might not just, they might not go, they might not go to the site, but they'll go to our YouTube channel. Right. And yeah. be, and so you have to be there. But then it's like, okay, well, how do you monetize YouTube, right? And like, it's not that you can do ads, but that doesn't really do all that much. Right. There's some people then that, who are like, they won't even surf your YouTube channel or your site, but they'll check your Instagram out. Right. It's like, okay, what do I, how do I leverage that? I have these, these eyeballs. What, I, what am I going to do with it? Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the challenge we're facing right now. It's not a big one, but uh, I think it'll increasingly become larger, and I think it's going to affect a lot of publishers. Yeah. Yeah, have you kind of come up with any kind of solution to that at all, or is it just something that you're aware of at this point? I'm I'm aware of it at this point, and yeah, I mean, what right now we just sort of we publish content all over the place. So we're on Tumblr, we're on Instagram, we're on Pinterest, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Uh, I'm probably not going to open a Periscope because that just weirds me out. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't get it. Like I've, I've tried watching people do Periscope, and I'm just like, I'm bored out of my mind. I can't. But some people are just crazy about it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, that's what I said about Instagram. And now I'm finally creating an Instagram account. And it's just amazing watching people. There's this, I'm, I, I forget the name. I watched this video recently. It was like on Vice. And it was people in Korea. And essentially, it's like the, the video is called food porn. They have a name for it. It's like kombuchi or something. And what it is, is people watching people eat. You know, so they yeah. set up studios just like this. I mean, I could totally start a kombucha studio right here, whatever it's called. You know, and literally you have your plate, you have the napkins, you got your, you know, and you have the, 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 you're in the kitchen environment. And you just sit there and there's a microphone up to their mouth and they're, and they're chewing. Yeah. And people all over Korea are watching it. Yeah, that's it's weird. I don't get it. <laughs> I think I think that's there's, a, there's an open market there, Brett. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> So um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So I don't, I've only got a couple couple more questions for you. But um, so I'm always curious about what other people's routines are, you know. And I think that that's like one of the most crucial things is again getting into the the, the habituality of being a human. You know, it's like routines. We can thrive on routines. Some people don't love it so much, but I think it can be really helpful being productive. Is there any kind of routines that you follow throughout your day by chance? Yeah, well, I do, but it's going to change tomorrow. My son's starting school. Um, so for the past couple of years, the routine has been, you know, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll have a little time to myself, do some just preliminary, I might write in my journal, do a bit of reading. Right. Kids wake up, feed them, we'll watch a little bit of PBS Kids, and then we'll go to the gym, then we come home, 
hang out a little bit more with the kids, and then we drop the kids off at my wife's parents' house. So my wife's my mother-in-law watches the kids during the day, and then we'd work um, throughout the day. Uh, that's going to change tomorrow because my kids start school at eight thirty, so I don't have any of these like lazy lazy mornings anymore. Right. So yeah, tomorrow I'll be working. I'll be start getting up at five forty-five in the morning, working out. Got a gym in my garage, and uh, doing that for an hour. And then come home and then get ready, and then uh, take the kids to school, and then we'll get to work. Yeah. So that so yeah, it's good. Routines are great, but yeah, you have to uh, change them based on the season of life you're in, <laughs> right. and be adaptable. Right. Yeah, so I, another article, or, or I think maybe it was YouTube, was was getting up early in the morning. You know, early, yeah. early to bed, early to rise makes you bright, wealthy, and wise, or whatever. Yeah. Is that something that you utilize? Uh, not recently. Me I've been in trying to, I've been in try, I've been enjoying this, uh, being able to stay up late and, uh, sleep in a little bit. Um, but I'll be back into it again. Like when I was in law school, I was waking up early, uh, so I could do studying and get workout in before I went to class right. and now I'm back to it. So, yeah. Yeah. When I'm feeling more on top of my game, getting up early, I feel like a hero. Like now I can wake up at like eight and I go to bed at like midnight. It's, it's like, it's okay. It's not, it's not optimal necessarily. But I think for folks out there just to give it a try, take a shot at waking up at six for a little while or slowly rolling the clock back a little bit. And it just, you feel, one of the things you mentioned in the video that you had was, you know, you feel like you're getting a head start on the rest of the world. You know, I think a big part of that waking up early is just psychological trickery. You know, they, they say stuff with like, you know, 10 to 2 is like the money time for, you know, developing growth hormone and all that stuff with, you know, while you're sleeping. And, you know, but I think a big part of it with developing growth hormone and anything is just, is just that psychosomatic. You know, if we think that we're doing well, biologically, our cells are listening and we are doing well. You know, so yeah. that's, that's something that I just kind of. I've picked up with that. So cool, man. So where do people find you? And thank you so much again for, for doing all the stuff you do. I think it's great. Um, encourage everyone to check out Art of Manliness. Where do people do that at? Uh, artofmanliness.com is the best place to go. And from there, you can find podcast, YouTube, and uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. But yeah, artofmanliness.com is the best place to go. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, dude. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and a massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye.
Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.